Hello, welcome to MLS Aces. My name is Elliot Menace, and this is an MLS Aces exclusive. Today we have a man who represented the United States in two World Cups, 1994-1998, played for the Revolution, the Metro Stars, Kansas City Wizards, and the LA Galaxy of MLS. He's currently at Fox Sports covering everything from MLS to UF Champions League to the summer's FIFA World Cup. Formerly the host of the Mutant Gene Podcast and currently the host of the State of the Union Podcast, one of the men who inspired my broadcasting career in soccer, Alexi Lalas. How are you doing? Damn, that's a, that's a <laughs> hell of an introduction. I appreciate that. That's, uh, that's, uh, that's awesome. I'm doing great. Uh, look, we, we, we are living in interesting times for what's going on on the field uh, in the United States and around the world and certainly off the field when it comes to uh, the progression of soccer, whether it's in our country or even uh, around the world. And, and you mentioned uh, I'm excited for this summer, too, with the World Cup coming, despite the fact the U.S. isn't in it. It's still the biggest party in the world, and uh, I'm privileged to along with all my other Fox colleagues, to head to uh, Russia, a place that I've never been. I've uh, been a lot of places, but never been to Russia, so I'm really looking forward to that. We saw a little bit of the interesting time yesterday, and before we get to the lots on, I want to talk about the, the video review call yesterday in the England-Italy game. Mm-hmm. Uh, you were doing the, the post-game coverage for it, and you had some interesting comments, so how do you think these friendlies and this kind of showing the world what it actually is is going to affect the outlook on it this summer? I, I think that was a wonderful representation of some of the challenges uh, and the good and bad that I think we're going to see this summer. Uh, you, you you can't evolve without uh, at times uh, going through some difficult periods. And I think that this summer um, with the uh, introduction of video review and, and VAR, uh, is going to offer us moments that uh, on the biggest stage will uh, will probably end up living in infamy. Um, and, but it won't be all bad. So last uh, so so yesterday in that game, keep in mind that you had a German offici- uh, officiating crew. Germany, uh, as we know, in, in the Bundesliga is one of the leagues that has had video review, and so they are well versed in it. And so, um, but you're also doing it in a situation uh, where you are seeing. Teams play with players, uh, and certainly from an international perspective, where they are not always used to it. And so you saw this strange reaction, whether it's from players, whether it's from coaches, whether it's from fans, whether it's from media, relative to how they view VAR. And, and that is all oftentimes relative to whether they are from a country and culture and, and, and cover a league that has used it. And so I think that's fascinating because this summer we are not only going to have uh, VAR, but we are going to have uh, uh, video assistant referee crews that aren't always um, up to date in terms of being from countries and cultures and leagues that use it. Now, they will have uh, had a crash course. Uh, all of the, uh, the crews, when it comes to the referees, will have a crash course, but there are going to be inevitable moments of confusion and awkwardness. There are going to be even calls that, that while this is all designed to get things right, there are probably going to be times where we get it wrong. And I think that's the overriding thing that people have to remember is that while this is all in an effort to get the call right, I think what we've found, whether it's, and I, when I say we, those of us that have been covering MLS or any other country or culture that has already implemented this, what you've found is we're still arguing about calls. There is still a subjective nature, albeit we are arguing about calls with people that are more informed because of the different angles that they have. But I think that this is going to be a fascinating experiment and a needed evolution and progressive type of move 
but not without some uh, some hiccups and some problems along the way. And as we said, on the, the the biggest platform in the world, the World Cup. Embrace the chaos. Yep, yep. I mean, look, for me and for you and, and, and for those of us that deal in content, I think it's going to drive an incredible amount of, of drama and theater and narratives that we're going to be talking about. Uh, and, and I don't think it's always going to be bad. It's not a bad, bad thing necessarily. I thought the game yesterday was was wonderful because it showed that this was a penalty. The, the, the foot was stepped on. Now, it was, it was minute. It was small. You would have been forgiven if VAR hadn't been in use for just playing on, as a lot of the players did. And so this incredible back and forth between people and saying, was that clear? clearly a missed call that was corrected by the VAR? Is this appropriate in this moment when it wasn't necessarily clear to everybody that anything had even been missed? So these are the types of conversations that aren't going to go away and they're going to continue on through this summer. And I think the the main problem people have with it is they're so used to this culture and this thing we've had for a long time that when we adapt and evolve and change something, people have a lot of problem with change. Yep. And when you change yep. something, it throws everything off balance and this domino is going to fall off, this domino is going to fall. And it just creates this whole effect where people have really have no idea what to expect anymore when we've had... 200 300 plus years of soccer to rely on so it's, it's very interesting to see people's responses and, and and the final thing i'll say about this is that uh and i talked about this on you mentioned thankfully uh you mentioned the podcast the state of the union i was talking about this the other day what's going to end up happening is that you know we are from a different generation so we're going to be comparing contrasting with a game that was played and viewed very differently without video review there's a whole generation that's going to tune in like like I'm sure you did at some point for their first World Cup this summer. And video review is going to be part of their experience and they are going to incorporate it into it. And it's not going to be anything strange to them uh, because that's that's all they, that's their reference. That's all they will know. And what's going to happen is these moments, because I know uh, one of the critiques and the criticisms of, uh, of video review is that it extends or sometimes takes away that moment of incredibly genuine and authentic celebration and joy that happens when the ball hits the back of the net. Well, what it's really doing is it's just delaying that moment. And in a certain sense, it's making it that much more dramatic. What we're going to see is while that video review is happening and whether that goal counts, there are going to be faces in the crowd with their hands held over their, uh, over their mouths waiting for that moment. And then that euphoria and that explosion is going to happen when that referee, who is a character in this theater and this drama, says yay or nay. And it's going to be really interesting to see how that dramatic moment changes. So uh, that, that Tardelli moment in a World Cup where he's screaming and yelling after scoring is going to be delayed, but I don't think it's going to be any less dramatic or important. And I would submit to you that it might even be even more dramatic because there's nothing we love more as as human beings than a reveal or a countdown. And if you will, that's really what this ends up being when there is a review on a goal. It's a very interesting thing. I'm very excited for the 2018 World Cup version of it. It may look a little bit different. They're trying to perfect it in time. Who knows what's going to happen? But uh, moving on to... Players actually playing on the pitch. Uh, Zlatan signed with LA Galaxy. I don't know if you've heard or not. Um, two years, $3 million, TAM contract. And he should be ready, maybe not ready to go for Saturday against LAFC. So before we say anything about the implications or anything about the Galaxy, do you like this deal? I do like this deal. Uh, I've obviously, myself and you and everybody's been talking about it, as we should, because this is, an, this is a 
this is a character and a personality and a player um, that uh, transcends the sports. A uh, sport. He is larger than life in terms of that character and that personality. Uh, I like the move for for a number of reasons. Uh, number one, uh, and you mentioned it. First off, he's not a designated player. He's a TAM uh, level player. Uh, they are spending one point five million dollars on him for two years. We know he's coming off of a serious injury, but still, you're getting what is arguably. I mean, other than Cristiano Ronaldo and Messi, and then maybe Neymar. One of the top three or top four names in terms of name recognition, in terms of idols and, and, and in terms of, uh, you know, stars. And this guy, make no mistake, is, is a star. Uh, so, so from a money perspective, there are, you, you cannot show me a league and, and the best leagues in the world. You cannot show me one of those leagues where, apart from the elite clubs and the super clubs, there aren't multiple teams that if you offered them Zlatan, even 2018 version of Zlatan, uh, for $1.5 million for two years that they wouldn't jump at the chance. And yes, there is a business that comes with him. But by the way, there's a business that comes with all huge stars off the field. But he also, we're going to find out if he can still do the business on the field. The other thing is, with the uh, the arrival of LAFC, these no- noisy neighbors and this nouveau riche type of, uh, of team that has come into this market where I live, it is a battle for hearts and minds. And you better be doing big and bold things. And the Galaxy have built their brand on being this super club and doing big and bold things. And I know they're coming off the historic worst season ever. So Ziggy Schmidt has his hands full. He cleaned house. And by all accounts, at least at the beginning of this season, they are better in that they are going to be competitive. He's going to have his work cut out trying to figure out how to fit in Zlatan in this team because somebody's going to have to sit or they're going to have to play a different formation. But, you know, these are... These are champagne problems, as Tata Martino would say. These are all good things to have, but I think that this is going to test Ziggy Schmidt. But all in all, I think it was something that not only the Galaxy, as we know, have wanted to do for a number of years, but they had to do given LAFC and and the relative uh, cost uh, or or low cost when it comes to what they're ultimately paying. Do you think he's going to rival your title of biggest personality in MLS? (laughs) I think we're very, uh, very... Uh, different in some ways, but I think we both understand the fact that we are in the entertainment business. And I think anybody, you know, when you when you say that, and I've said that since I was a player, uh, I, I, I've never apologized for the fact that I recognized and respected the fact that I was a performer and that I am in the entertainment business. And I continue to be, and even more so now, in, in my current capacity. And saying that doesn't mean that what you say and do isn't genuine and authentic and truthful. And saying that doesn't mean that you don't care about winning and losing or that you're not incredibly competitive. But the recognition that you are on a stage, whether that's an actual sound stage where I'm going on and talking, whether it's on a podcast where I'm talking to you, or whether it's going on the field and performing, you are putting on a costume, you are going out there in front of people, and you are hoping to elicit a response. Sometimes the entire stadium might boo you. Sometimes they might cheer you. But ultimately, you are there as a character playing a role. And it might be a character that you identify with, and as I said, it doesn't mean that it's not truthful and authentic in what you are portraying. But ultimately, we are in the entertainment business, and I think nobody understands that more than Zlatan. The other part is is that he backs it up on the field. Because if you are just a character and a performer uh, off the field and you don't bring it on the field, then you are just a circus performer. And he understood, and that's why he's been so successful, is that after all is said and done and he said his crazy things and he does his things and we, we marvel at the things that he does and says – Ultimately, he comes on the field and performs, and that's going to be up to him. Uh, and we know, given this knee injury, the jury's still out as to what he is going to look like as a 2018 version of Zlatan on the field. Let me ask you this. I know the, the whole 
movement of bringing in, you know, the the Pirlos and the Gerards and all the guys have come in as, as part of this re- retirement league. Uh, what do you say to the people who are yelling about this uh, this signing that might affect the eighteen to twenty two year old South American movement? Like, do you think this move has any implications on how that's going to continue? Or is this no, pretty much a standalone? No, no. I mean, I think that this is a separate type. I mean, he is a special case. And I think anybody that follows the league uh, understands that the league is far from a retirement league. As a matter of fact, over the last couple of years, it has gone completely the opposite way in a recognition of bringing in South Amer- a lot of South American talent, but just in general, younger talent and cultivating it and recognizing the asset and the asset that you hope is going to appreciate and that then can sell more tickets or be a star or ultimately you can sell on. And that recognition from a business perspective of going that way. And that's produced, you know, whether it's uh, whether it's an Almiron or these types of uh, these types of players where teams in MLS now are spending money, not just on salary, but are spending money uh, to uh, to get transfer fees to get these types of players. So just because Latan comes to MLS, it doesn't it, it shouldn't. It shouldn't indicate to you that MLS is a retirement league. Zlatan, as I said before, there are leagues and teams all over in some of the best leagues in the world that would jump at the chance to have this opportunity. He is a unique player. Uh, he is a, a unique personality. But, but also understand that MLS, from an on-the-field perspective, is no longer a retirement league. As a matter of fact, you can find plenty and plenty of examples of teams all throughout the league that have recognized that going out and spending money on good quality young talent, whether it's internationally importing it or fostering it in, uh, in, in uh, your domestic development programs, that that is the way to go and that is the way that this league is moving. And Atlanta's a perfect example. you got Andrew Carlton, the, the American, yep. and also buying like Miguel Admiral, the Joseph Martinez, the Ezekiel Barco. Even, we haven't seen him play yet, but he's the highest transfer fee in MLS history. So, like, Atlanta's a perfect example of that, and they kind of been the leaders in this movement of MLS is a young, aspiring, selling league that is going to be one of the best in the world one day. Uh, as far as Zlatan himself, forget the implications of the league for a second. How is Zlatan mm-hmm. going to impact this Galaxy team? Already, with Ola Kamara, Romain Alessandrini, Sebastian Legette, the DeSantos brothers, and everyone in that team how is he going to fit in what do you think Ziggy Smith's going to do with this guy and how good are the Galaxy actually going to be yeah so if Ziggy Schmidt figures this out I think it will be his finest hour Ziggy, Ziggy Schmidt is a legend he's a coaching legend he will always be a coaching legend but this might be his biggest task because they went out in the offseason as I said they cleaned house they got Ola Camaro up top who is who is flying he's scoring goals for the Galaxy he's scoring goals internationally I think over the weekend he scored a hat trick uh, for uh, for uh, for Norway, uh, this is a guy that um, they are building around as far as that point man up top. So now Latan comes in. So what do you do? Do you continue playing one up top? Do you play two up top? Do you put Zlatan in this this position where he's able to roam? Because we all know, despite his stature, I'm not talking about his stature in terms of popularity. I'm talking about literally his stature. A lot of people say, well, he should be the 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 focus and the folk, uh, and, and the um, the big man up top. But we all also know that watching him, he doesn't like to stay there. He likes to move around. And so are you going to play him as a more withdrawn type of forward to Ola Kamara? And if you're going to do that, then when, where does Giovanni Dos Santos go, who we know has not been playing particularly well? So is he pushed out 
in terms of going out to, to uh, wide left. Then you have Alessandrini, and you have Leggett, and you have all these different things. I think many, many years ago, I played for Ziggy Schmidt, and mid-season, actually the season that we ended up winning MLS Cup, he changed from a back four to a back three. And it changed everything for us because it enabled us to get all the, the players that he wanted on the field, but it also enabled us to uh, to be a better attacking and surprisingly, not surprisingly, but but at times it is surprising, a better defensive type of unit. Uh, but it, So there is precedent for Ziggy Schmidt changing to a back three from a back four. That's something he might do because it allows him to have one more player on that in that midfield and therefore not have another a, a very good player go to the go to the bench. But these are also problems that Ziggy Schmidt is paid uh, and paid well to, to go and fix. But it's going to be really fast fascinating to see. And uh, not for nothing, but we also don't know how much Latan can actually do at this point with it coming off his knee injury. Now he's Latan, so you never put it past him to play ninety minutes, but. He also might at least initially start to be used as a substitute uh, and in a different type of capacity before that ultimate 11 is made. And we all know in MLS, it doesn't really need to be made until that stretch leading up to the playoffs and then into the playoffs. Right. And they have until June, July to figure it out because that's that's the turning point in MLS season. Is yep. I mean, we see from a couple of years ago, the Seattle Sounders did not have it figured out at all. Then they went on to win MLS Cup. So, sure, and and the team won't be collective until then anyway, too, because we know that Dos Santos uh, will probably be <laughs> off with uh, L3 in, in, the, in the World Cup. So there's going to be a lot of moving parts, but ultimately what that final 11 looks like for Ziggy Schmidt, I think that's where the question mark is, not just for us from the outside, but probably from Ziggy on the inside. And that's also an interesting thing was a lot of time, is he going to play for Sweden this summer? And Right, yeah, yeah. So many. Diff- Don't put it past him, right? He won't. He won't close the door anytime people ask him. And I'm sure this this uh, this Saturday when uh, we have the LA uh, Galaxy versus LAFC game, and Zlatan is coming in uh, Thursday night. Evidently, he's training Friday, and then will be available on Saturday. By the way, at three o'clock Eastern time on Big Fox, Homer Simpson Fox. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure that that when we're talking to him, one of us is going to ask him, "Hey, what about Sweden? What's uh, what's going to happen here? Is this something that that you're in?" And I, it would not surprise me in the least. If he starts playing and playing consistently and playing well, if you see Zlatan in uh, the World Cup this summer. There's so many different angles of this thing. But um, on a, a scale of Pirlo to Robbie Keane, how do you think his MLS career is going to go? Okay. I think it won't be a Robbie Keane, but who is other than maybe um, – and I take Giovinco out because of his, because of his age. He's much, he was much younger, but uh, – uh, David Villa maybe is, is it at this point back and forth when it comes to uh, a Robbie Keane-esque type of existence. Uh, but it's certainly, I don't think, going to be a Pirlo. But, you know, I think it's going to be, uh, I don't know, I'm, I'm trying to find a correlation, somebody else out there. But I think it will go better than uh, than we thought, but not at the um, at the level in which we have seen prime Zlatan and I don't think that it will live up to what he wants it to live up to ultimately. So, uh, you know, I know I'm, I'm, I'm splitting the baby there, but, but, but the reality is that you know, we just don't know what this, what this knee injury has or hasn't done to him when it comes to how he's playing. I think the, the comparison I came up with is Didier Drogba. He came in. There you go. Yeah, he, yeah. He played start well. Out, start out on fire, uh, fly, firing on all cylinders, and then kind of peter out as the, as the second year comes in. That, that would that – would, that's a good. That's a really good uh, comparison. There. Because like we didn't know what we were gonna get with Drogba at first. Like yep. he came in, he was on fire for Montreal. Then he had the whole drama of not playing on turf thing, and 
I feel like something is going to happen with Zlatan. It, it's going to take a second for him to get going because the sleep yeah. is very, very different. He's coming off a knee injury, but once he figures it out, I think then it's going to be Diddy Gaga Drogba in reverse. Pretty oh, much. there you go. So you, you think it's going to go the other way. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, regardless, when you look at the L.A. Galaxy, and I, I was around back when uh, the Galaxy signed uh, David Beckham, and we got a lot of things wrong. And, and through no fault, to be quite honest, though, because the Galaxy had never been through this incredible hurricane was, w- w- that was a David Beckham. And, and by the way, Zlatan is not David Beckham, but nobody is. But the Galaxy went through that and came out the other side better and learned a tremendous amount. And there's plenty of collateral damage along the way, including firings, including myself. But the reality is that as a, as a club, they learned how to deal with someone big and bold and having that beautiful arrogance. And my advice to them, and I don't, they don't need it, but as I've been asked over this past week is, look, uh, there is nobody bigger than the club. As, as great as Latan is, uh, there is nobody bigger. He will come and go, but the galaxy will remain. And, and they can't afford to cede traditional powers to the player or to his entourage and his people. Because if you give an inch, players will take a mile. And you've got to make it very, very clear right, right on, right from the start. But as well, they're incredibly happy to have him. He is, he is still just one player. And he is a, uh, a part of this machine and part of this team. And whether it's him or his, uh, his people and his management or his entourage and stuff like that, uh, they have no more sway than, uh, than other people. Now, that's easier said than done. Uh, and you got to kind of pick and choose your battles as you go forward. But I think that that's really important. I think the Galaxy will have learned their lessons from the past. Otherwise, uh, they're doomed to repeat them. How this affects this game on Saturday and the Traveler going forward, I am very intrigued by. Because LAFC, we haven't talked about LAFC. Like, I haven't mentioned them. Now, you mentioned them once, but we haven't gone on how good LAFC is right now. And, you know, they're probably eventually going to peter out because they have no depth. But... LAFC is an interesting team in this league because they got six points two games. They look very good. They won by four goals the last time they played. You mentioned they're the noisy neighbors. They have their own thing going on right now. They're in the limelight of the league right now. Mm-hmm. Zlatan's coming in. How big is this game going to be on Saturday? That's going to be huge uh, because I think from the Galaxy perspective, as I mentioned, this is a battle. and I have, I have talked to people that have been Galaxy season ticket holders that are now season ticket holders for LAFC. And this this brand-new shiny stadium that they have, which is awesome, by the way, and I can't wait to get that first game at the end of April there, uh, it's going to attract a lot of people. The on-field product, I think they've done a great job, uh, and Bob Bradley deserves a tremendous amount of credit, um, of putting together a team that right off the bat is competitive. At the very least, you know they're going to be competitive. Now, how many games they're going to win or, 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 or if they're going to make the playoffs, I don't know. But certainly in the few, first couple of games, it's gone probably better than they thought it was going to go. Uh, and they will take that. And when you take guys like Urania and make him this, this juggernaut up top and this, this guy buzzing around, uh, you know, that's wonderful. They just signed another DP yesterday in Andre Horta. Uh, a Portuguese uh, player. Well, we mentioned Diego Rossi uh, as a young Uruguayan-designated uh, player. Obviously, Carlos Vela from, uh, from Mexico. Uh, and then they surrounded him with just good quality MLS um, experience. Uh, Simon in the back, Zimmerman, these types of players, Benny Fail, Haber, um, and then some international talent that, uh, that they recognize is going to be important going forward. So I think that this is a well-constructed team on the field. And I think off the field, they've done a great job in their brand and owning that that black and uh, 
that black and gold type of um, appearance. Uh, their, their branding has been spot on and really, really attractive to this market. Uh, but then, you know, the game happens. And last time somebody came in and tried to take the mantle from the LA Galaxy in terms of being uh, the originals in Los Angeles, we, we know that the Galaxy kind of swept them off their shoulder, and that would be Chivas USA. Now, this is a very different proposition, but this is the first time that we're going to see this rivalry. We're calling it El Trafico, um, which is awesome, I think. I think it's a wonderful name. The fans named it, and so we're going with that. I think it's going to be really, really cool. I, I think that from the Galaxy perspective, with everything that's happened over the last year, the horrible year they had last year, now with Laton, uh, and the expectation that they still need to be the Kings in L.A., there's a lot of pressure on the LA Galaxy to win this game. If they win it, I think that they kind of rise and, and you'll see their chests pump out and say, yeah, we were here 22 years ago and we're still here and you still got to knock us off. If they, if they don't, then, then, then some problems could happen. And it'll be fun to see if, if that does happen. And you guys obviously have the game on Big Fox, Homer Simpson Fox that you mentioned. And uh, you should tune into that. What time on, on Saturday for the folks? That will be at 3 o'clock Eastern time on Big Fox. So 12 o'clock Pacific uh, is when we're kicking off here. So it's a midday kickoff. It's going to be fun, though. As you said, a, a big audience. Um, and, uh, and like I said, there, there, is, there is pride on the stake. And this is a battle for Los Angeles, at least the initial battle. El Trafico is so uniquely L.A. I love that so yep. much. <laughs> uh, Lex, we, we appreciate you. We, we have to ask you about the U.S. Mazzaccio team last night before we let you go. Sure. Um, one nil win. How, how'd the new guys look in your eyes? They looked good, but I'm, I'm torn because I want to care about this. And yet until there is a GM uh, and this position that they've created, I, I, I feel like I'm, I'm, my, my heart is being pulled and I'm a junkie. So I'm going to watch it and I'm going to care. But the reality is that until this person is named, that is going to literally create the vision and the philosophy and the identity going forward, why should I care? Because this could all blow up. Dave Sarakin and his staff are going to go away. The players that maybe looked good last night, who knows? And Somebody new could come in and say, no, that's not the type of way we want to play. That's not the type of player we want. So let's get rid of those. And, and then we're back to where we started. And, or, or, we're at least, or we're at least in a completely different place. So assessing this, I, you know, like I, so last night, I thought that uh, Saif, or I think we're calling Seth or whatever, um, now, I, I thought he was good. Uh, Tyler Adams was good. I thought Darlington Nagby was really good, but I know who Darlington Nagby is. I know who Bobby Wood is. I know who DeAndre Yedlin is. The fact that Dave didn't use a bunch of substitutes, I know everyone's up in, up in arms about that, and, and I get it because I understand you want to see as many new people as possible. It's nice to see Weah get on um, and Novakovic, these types of players, but who knows if they're going to be involved in the future. Once again, uh, we've, we've had this almost, it's going to be almost a year that I don't want to say we've wasted it, but we were given this gift of time. And since we're so worried about having um, the opportunity to have as much, uh, as many candidates as possible, which is why we're waiting till the World Cup or after the World Cup. But until we get that GM position filled, which I think is even more important than the coach, to be quite honest, I'm left saying, well, we're in limbo right now. And so any assessment could just go out the window. But it was it was good to watch. I'm glad they got the win. And like I said, there were some individuals that it was fun to at least see for the first time. I think more importantly, how'd the New Jerseys look? I like so I don't like the blue one as much as I like the uh, the white one. They oh, yeah. didn't wear the white one last night. It was almost like just another dagger when they came out with them because I think they're cool. I think they're 
They are appropriately patriotic and red, white, and blue in their aesthetic. And uh, I think they're different. I think they're interesting. Uh, the blue ones, I think they're not, they're not as distinctive, and so therefore they're just kind of homogenous. But I think the white ones pop, and I really like the white ones. It's just unfortunate that we're not going to see a U.S. team wearing them this summer in the World Cup, although uh, the women's team will be wearing them going forward. Yes, we always have the women to fall back on. For yeah, World well, Cup I'm excited loads. for next summer too in uh, in France, you know, and uh, so we'll be uh, we'll be televising that, and uh, you know, a, a World Cup uh, being based out of Paris that's not too shabby. You're all about self promotion. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like there's a commercial every five seconds on FS1. No, exactly. All right, so one thing we do with our guests before eleven go is go through the lightning round, five to seven random questions. Okay, um, go. Answering ten seconds or less. All right. So, if they made a movie about Lexi Lawless's life, who do you think would play you? I don't know any of these young actors. So, uh, how about, um, uh, let's see, how about, well, I mean, the the logical answer is like, okay, so Brad Pitt, right? There we go. (laughs) You're not the first I mean, if if we're going to do a movie, we might as well, you know, take some dramatic license here, right? I mean. (laughs) Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, What's your favorite smell in the entire world? Uh, I love freshly cut grass. Ooh. If you could have a dinner party with three famous people, living or dead, and not including yourself, who would they be? Uh, so the lead singer of Rat, his name is Stephen Piercy. Rat's my favorite group in the world. Um, I'm, I'm a huge, I'm obviously huge into music, so that would be one. He is alive, by the way. Uh, let's see. Who else? How about... Um, Abraham Lincoln, that would be kind of cool to have someone like that. And then let's go with somebody international. And how about uh, Fidel Castro? There we go. Oh, wow. That's a, that's a very intriguing group. Well, you know, I, uh, you know I, I try to, I'm trying to make it interesting. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. I, I hope that they all enjoy my food. And I, I'm not sure if they all – I know they all drink wine, so I think we'll be good with that. <laughs> Uh, you brought up music, and you can get his latest album uh, shot anywhere you can get music. And you have a new album coming out soon. I do, yeah, yeah. So uh, for all three people that uh, enjoy <laughs> listening to my music, um, including my mother, I will have a new album coming out uh, right before the World Cup. And uh, as you as you mentioned, my last album came out a few years ago. It was called Shots. You can find it all on Spotify and iTunes and all the different platforms out there. And it's something that that I love. It's something that's been involved uh, in my life even before soccer came into my life. And certainly it's been involved after I've stopped playing. And it's something I take as seriously. I still write and record and perform. And uh, it's something that, as I said, that I that I love and have a passion for. And I'm so lucky to have been exposed to it and uh, and found it in my life because it's something that has never gone away. And, and uh, so if you do check it out, it's just straight ahead pop rock type of stuff. I'm in uh, the eternal search for the perfect pop song. I haven't found it yet, but uh, not for lack of trying. Does the new album have a name yet? It doesn't yet. Uh, however, I am going to. Uh, I'm, actually, I was just talking to somebody about the artwork for the uh, for the cover yet. But I think it will have a summer feel to it. Obviously, it's coming out in the summer, right before the World Cup. Uh, I think there's a feeling that people have uh, about the potential for summer and this this excitement that happens. And I'm not just talking about the World Cup; just summer for in general. The smells and the sights and the sounds uh, and the the promise of uh, of summer, if you will. So I think it'll be a real positive type of summer summer music fest that you can just put in your car and crank up and put the windows down and and drive in the uh, in the warm summer air. Be on the lookout for that on Spotify, iTunes, and all the other 
places you can find music. Uh, speaking of music, who has been your biggest influence musically? So uh, I can say I, I grew up in uh, the suburbs of Detroit. And I grew up listening to Midwestern radio. And so, well, I started with the classics. For that, for classics for me would be the Beatles uh, and, uh, and the Stones and uh, Led Zeppelin uh, and then into Van Halen uh, and then a huge 80s metal. So everything, like I said, from Rat to Bon Jovi to Def Leppard to Skid Row to Warrant to all these different things. But then also listening to Kaja Gugu and Duran Duran uh, and then John Mellencamp and Tom Petty. Uh, and these types of, uh, you know, Americana type of uh, rock bands and then Foreigner um, and, uh, and Ario and all these different uh, AOR type of staples, Boston, all that kind of stuff. But then also the Lemonheads and, and Amy Mann and uh, her former group Till Tuesday and that kind of type of stuff. And then into the 90s with, uh, you know, pop rock type of stuff. So, so like Third Eye Blind. Um, and uh, you know, Blur and Oasis and, and all that kind of stuff. New Radicals, I love that album. Uh, Hole, that kind of stuff. Didn't really get into a whole lot of the grunge type of stuff. I, I'm much, I'm a little more melodic in terms of my uh, uh, my leanings. But the reality is, if if it's a good pop song and it's and it's based in good melody, chances are, and there's good singing, uh, chances are I'm gonna like it. This all warrants the question, did you want to be a musician or a soccer player growing up? Because this all sounds like you were leaning towards music. <laughs> I was doing a lot of music, but it was out of necessity in that it's, well, it's not, it's no easier being a musician than it is being a professional athlete. But having said that, I was growing up at a time in the 70s and 80s when being a professional, my, my, my dad was a professor and my mother uh, was a writer. And to say that they had aspirations for their firstborn to be a professional soccer player would not be right uh, and would not be true. Now, they were incredibly supportive because they knew that sports kept me out of trou- trouble and that I was good at it. But I don't think that they envisioned me going and playing in a World Cup. And the reality is that neither did I. And that was just a function of the time that I was growing up in. And so my my wall was uh, was postered with musicians and hockey players. To be quite honest, I played a lot of hockey growing up, and um, and growing up in Detroit, it's kind of the law. But yeah, it wasn't something that I aspired to 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 be. And that's not. I don't say that with any any sense of pride. It's just the reality. And I'm so glad that there's a generation now that has grown up being able to watch domestic soccer every single week and follow a team and watch it on television. By the way, watch soccer from everywhere in the world, much more so than any other country here, uh, but also to be in a soccer culture. And that's just not the type of environment that I was. And while I did everything that kids do nowadays with travel teams and, and, you know, mom and dad coaching and orange peels and juice boxes at halftime, it was a very, very different landscape when it came to certainly the professional game or the aspirations for a young player to be a professional soccer player. Man, the lightning round really took a turn. <laughs> <laughs> that was more than 10 seconds, but oh well. Uh, okay, try, to, try to get back on track. You know, oh, okay. We're, we're still in it. Okay, yeah, so we're still, hey, we never <laughs> leaves the lightning round completely. Uh, cake or pie? Cake or pie? Cake. Cake. What kind of cake? Chocolate cake. I, I like simple chocolate cake with uh, vanilla frosting. Don't, don't, uh, you know, don't, don't try to uh, gussy it up or sex it up. I mean, it's, it's chocolate cake with, with vanilla frosting. I respect that. I respect that. Uh, last one. If you could be an Olympic athlete, not, uh, and compete in the Olympics, not playing soccer, what would you do? 
Well, logical would be uh, hockey because uh, I'm still a huge hockey fan. I still play hockey, and uh, I grew up playing hockey. But you know, having watched now uh, Olympic sports, like that uh, that luge kind of stuff sounds pretty <laughs> cool. Um, probably pretty dangerous, but from my from my couch, it looks pretty cool <laughs> until I'm actually you know screaming down the hill uh, at 100 miles an hour or whatever it ends up being. But that, that would be kind of cool. I don't know how they don't scream. There probably are screaming. We'll we'll never know. (laughs) Fair enough. Alexi, this has been a complete honor. We appreciate you making time. Hey, listen, uh, as I tell uh, most people, and I will tell you because I want to include you, uh, while many of us that kick the ball get a tremendous amount of credit for the the progress and the evolution of this sport in in our country, the reality is that there are so many people that each and every day do work uh, as you guys do. Uh, and as and, and as you do, and you are as important to the future of this sport as any of us uh, that ever kicked the ball. And I want to thank you for everything that you do. And uh, there's a lot there's a lot of you out there, and I have immense respect and support uh, for everybody out there. So keep doing what you're doing, and uh, don't let the turkeys get you down. And for everyone that he is mentioning, I'll accept your accept your thanks and give you your welcome. There we go. Uh, appreciate your time, likes and. Hope you have a great day. Thanks a lot.